Chapter Eight of Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell. Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready, by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter Eight: The New Boarding House. It might be considered hazardous for Rufus to invest all his money in a venture which depended to so great an extent upon the honesty of another. But there is no profit without risk, and our hero felt considerable confidence in the integrity of his proposed partner. It occurred to him, however, that he might need some money before he should receive any from the business. Accordingly, as the young man had told him that he had a hundred dollars, he proposed that he should contribute one half of that sum towards the purchase of the shop while he made up the balance, $450. This would leave him $50 for contingent expenses, while George Black would have the same. Our hero's street life had made him sharp, and he determined to secure himself as far as possible. He accordingly proposed to George Black that they should go to a lawyer and have articles of agreement drawn up. For this, however, he did not have time till the next morning. One article proposed by Rufus was that he should draw $50 a quarter towards the third share of the profits, which it was agreed that he should receive, and at the end of the year any balance that might remain due. No objection was made by George Black, who considered this provision a fair one. The style of the firm, for as most of the capital was furnished by Rufus, it was thought that his name should be represented, was Rushton and Black. A new sign was ordered bearing their names, and it was arranged that the new partners should take possession of the store at the commencement of the next week, when it would probably be ready. Rufus hesitated about announcing his new venture to Miss Manning and Rose, but finally concluded not to do so just at present. It would be time, he thought, when they had got fairly started. Meanwhile, he had transferred himself to the room at Mrs. Clayton's boarding house. He felt rather bashful at first about appearing at the table, Half an hour before the time, he reached the house and went up at once to Miss Manning's room. "'Oh, Rufie,' said Rose, jumping up from the sofa and running to meet him, "'have you come to stay?' "'Yes, Rosie,' he answered, sitting down on the sofa and taking her in his lap. "'I am so glad. You're going down to dinner, ain't you?' "'Yes, I suppose. We have such nice dinners, don't we, Miss Manning?' "'Very nice, Rose.' "'A great deal better than I ever had before. I wonder where you will sit, Rufie.' He will sit next to you, Rose. I spoke to Mrs. Clayton about it. Rufus will take care of you, and I am to look after Jenny and Carrie. That will be very nice. How do you like the little girls, Rose? asked her brother. Very much. They have given me some of their dolls. And which knows the most, you or they? Oh, I know ever so much more, said Rose positively. Is that true, Miss Manning, or is Rose boasting? asked Rufus. Rose is farther advanced than either Jenny or Carrie, answered Miss Manning. They have studied comparatively little yet, but I find them docile, and I think they will soon improve. By the time Rufus had combed his hair and put on a clean collar, the dinner bell rang. He followed Miss Manning down into the dining room. Good evening, Mr. Rushton, said Mrs. Clayton. I'm glad to see you. His name isn't Mr. Rushton, said Rose. His name is Rufy. It is the first time Rose ever heard me called so, said Rufus, smiling. She will soon get used to it. He was rather pleased than otherwise to be called Mr. Rushton. It made him feel more like a man. You may take that seat, Mr. Rushton, said the landlady. Your little sister will sit beside you. Rufus took the chair indicated. 
Next to him was seated a lady of thirty or more, whose hair fell in juvenile ringlets. This was Mrs. Clifton, formerly Miss Peyton, who will be remembered by the readers of fame and fortune. Rufus was introduced to her. "'I'm very glad to make your acquaintance, Mr. Rushton,' said Mrs. Clifton graciously. "'You have a very sweet little sister.' "'Yes, she's a very good little girl,' said Rufus, better pleased with a compliment to Rose than he would have been with one to himself. "'I understand you are in business in Wall Street, Mr. Rushton.' "'Yes,' said Rufus. "'I am in the office of Mr. Turner.' "'I sometimes tell Mr. Clifton I wish he would go into business in Wall Street. "'He keeps a dry goods store on 8th Avenue.' "'Can't remember ever hearing you mention the idea, Mrs. C.' "'remarked her husband, who sat on the other side, "'in a pause between two mouthfuls. "'There ain't much money in dry goods just now, by Jove. "'I'll open in Wall Street if you say the word.' Mrs. Clifton slightly frowned and did not see fit to answer the remark made to her. Her husband was not very brilliant, either in business, wit, or in any other way, and she had married him not from love, but because she saw no other way of escaping from being an old maid. "'Do you know, Mr. Rushton,' said Mrs. Clifton, "'you remind me so much of a very intimate friend of mine, Mr. Hunter?' "'Do I?' added Rufus. "'I hope he is good-looking.' "'He's very handsome,' said Mrs. Clifton, "'and so witty.' "'Then I'm glad I'm like him,' said Rufus. For some reason he did not feel so bashful as he anticipated, particularly with Mrs. Clifton. "'He's soon going to be married to a very rich young lady. Miss Grayson, perhaps you know her.' "'That's where he has the advantage of me,' said Rufus. "'Mr. Clifton,' said his wife, "'don't you think Mr. Rushton looks very much like Mr. Hunter?' "'Yes,' said her husband, "'as much as I look like the Emperor Napoleon.' "'Don't make a goose of yourself, Mr. Clifton,' said his wife sharply. "'Thank you. I don't intend to. A goose is a female, and I don't care to make such a change.' "'I suppose you think that is witty,' said Mrs. Clifton, a little disdainfully. "'It is unnecessary to pursue the conversation. "'Those who remember Mrs. Clifton when she was Miss Peyton will easily understand what was its character. "'It had the effect, however, of putting Rufus at his ease.' On the whole, considering that he was only used to cheap restaurants, he acquitted himself very well for the first time, and no one suspected that he had not always been accustomed to live as well. The dinner he found excellent. Mrs. Clayton herself superintended the preparation of dinner, and she was not inclined to undo economy, as is the case with many landladies. "'I'm glad I came here,' thought Rufus. "'It's worth the difference in price.' As they rose from the table, Mrs. Coleman asked Miss Manning, is that the brother of your little girl? Yes, answered Miss Manning. He has a very good appearance. I should like to have you bring him into our room a while. Miss Manning communicated this invitation to Rufus. He would have excused himself gladly, but he felt that this would have been hardly polite. Therefore, he accepted it. I'm glad to make your acquaintance, Mr. Rushton, said Mrs. Coleman. Thank you, said Rufus. I hear that you have come to board with us. Yes, he answered, wishing that he might think of something more to say, but not succeeding. It is a pleasant boarding place. I hope you will like it. I think I shall. You have a very nice little sister. My little girls like her very much. She will be a great deal of company for them. I think she's a very good little girl, said Rufus, but then I am her brother, so I suppose it is natural for me to think so. You are in an office in Wall Street, I'm told, said Mr. Coleman. Yes, sir, said Rufus. Whose, may I ask? Mr. Turner's. He is an able businessman and stands high. You could not learn business under better auspices. I like him very much, said Rufus, but then I have not been long in his office. 
I find Miss Manning relieves me of a great deal of care and trouble, said Mrs. Coleman, her new governess being just then out of the room. I feel that I was fortunate in securing her services. I think you will like her, said Rufus. She is very kind to Rose. I don't know what I should do with little sister if I did not have her to look after her. Then your mother is not living, Mr. Rushton. No, said Rufus, she's been dead for two years. And you are the sole guardian of your little sister? Yes, ma'am. After half an hour's call, which Rufus found less embarrassing and more agreeable than he anticipated, he excused himself and went upstairs. On Tuesday of the next week, he decided to reveal his new plans to Miss Manning. Accordingly, he managed to reach home about half past four in the afternoon and invited her and Rose to take a walk with him. Where shall we walk? she asked. Over to Sixth Avenue, said Rufus. I want to show you a store there. Miss Manning soon got ready and the three set out. It was not far, scarcely ten minutes' walk. When they arrived opposite the store, Rufus pointed over to it. Do you see that periodical store, he asked. Yes, said Miss Manning. How do you like it? Why do you ask, she inquired, puzzled. Look at the sign, he answered. Rushton in black, read Miss Manning. Why, that is your name. And I am at the head of the firm, said Rufus complacently. What does it all mean, said Miss Manning. How can it be? I'll tell you, said Rufus. A few words made her understand. Now, said Rufus, let us go over to my store and look in. What, is it your store, Rufie? asked Rose. Yes, little sister, it's part mine. When they entered, they found George Black behind the counter waiting on a customer who directly went out. Well, George, how's business? asked Rufus. It opens well, said his partner cheerfully. It's a good stand and there's a good run of custom. This is my friend, Miss Manning, said Rufus, and my little sister, Rose. I am glad to see you, Miss Manning, said the young man. I hope, he added, smiling, you will give us a share of your patronage. We'll buy all our slate pencils at Rufie's store, won't we, Miss Manning, said Rose. Yes, I think so, answered Miss Manning with a smile. Then, said Rufus, we shall be certain to succeed if there's a large profit on slate pencils, George. Yes, if you charge high enough. After a little more conversation, they left the store. What do you think of my store, Miss Manning? asked Rufus. It's a very neat one. I had no idea you had become so extensive a businessman, Rufus. Is Rufie an extensive man? asked Rose. I hope to be some day, said Rufus, smiling. End of chapter 8